sake. Why don't you look in your Bible in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If I can find it here. Philippians 2 and verse 13. Verse 13. I'm kind of wondering and praying at this Lord, what do I share? It's the end of the year. We've had a whole year. How many have had a great year this year? Oh, that's great. How many have had a few challenges this year? Oh, there's a heap of those going on too. And uh, that's normal. How many know that's the normal life? You've got some things going well and some things aren't going so well and some things you don't know. That's quite a mystery. You can't solve them. And uh, so what I felt to share on today was, uh, was to share on powerful choices. And I want to share on three powerful choices you can make that affect your life. They absolutely will affect your life. The thing is whether you decide to do them. Everyone makes choices. Everyone makes choices. That's one of the greatest gifts God has given you, apart from salvation, is a choice to decide what you'll do with your life. And so where you are today is the result of the choices you made yesterday. So there may be some struggling financially today. I'm sure if you think back, you'll remember a choice you made. And you are now out living and working through all the consequences of that choice. And sometimes we make big choices that are really good and we see the benefits. Sometimes we make disastrous choices and then we find we're in a lot of pain. We can't always connect the choice we've made with the consequence. And so we throw our hands up and say, I wonder why it was like that. But it is very true that you are not a victim. It is very true you are not powerless. You may think you are, but you're not. It's very true that you're not a victim of life. You have the power of choice. And so you've made choices that got you here. We've made choices that brought us here where we are. But we have the power to make different choices to make our future different. So I want to share with you three choices you could make that would help your future. And I'm taking it from the perspective that we've come to the end of one year and we're facing now another year. So here's the first one. And so we see in Philippians 2 and verse 13, it says, it says, God works in you. God is at work or energizes you. So this, this use of making choices, God is involved with you in helping you. And this is said, he energizes you to choose or to want or to purpose to will and to do the things that please him. So one of the things you can depend on, if you'll spend some time in prayer, is God will help you make great choices. He will help you with your choice. He doesn't leave you alone, so you have to try and figure out life on your own. He promises, like in Psalm 23, he said, the Lord leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, I mean literally this, it says, God leads me to do right things and to benefit and to prosper because that's who he is. He is a shepherd who leads. That's his job description. His job description is to lead. Ours is to listen and respond. So God wants to help you in your decision-making issues. So as we're thinking about this coming year and, and what we're going to do and how our life is going to go, I want you to think about this, that your life at the end of next year will be the result of choices you make. Why don't you open your life to God to help you make some good choices in the season when there's some holiday time going? And here's three that you could think of making. Here's number one. Number one is choose to be thankful. And you say, well, how's that going to help my life? I'll tell you, it's going to help you far more than you realize. Here it is, and let's read it in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Choose to be thankful. You can choose to complain or be grateful. You can choose to thank God and thank people. You can choose to complain and moan and groan and be bitter. We make choices, and the choice we make definitely have a, a consequence. Notice what the Bible tells us to do in everything. So how much was left out there? In everything. In everything. Not some things. Not the good things only. 
says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Now remember, God helps you to make choices that are good choices for you, that please Him. Here's, the, here's one choice. Every time you start to express gratitude and start to be thankful to God, then you are fulfilling the will of God in your life. So it's a choice to be thankful. And the Bible's got a lot to say about gratitude. It tells us, for example, that when we're thankful to God, we make Him bigger in our life. We, we can pray prayers, God, come and increase in my life, but why don't you start being thankful to Him? It gets bigger in your life. Not only that, when you become thankful, you shift the focus of your heart onto the things which are good and away from the things which are negative. So people who are thankful, people who are appreciative, people who express their gratitude, they generally have an incredibly positive flow in their life. And so this is what you could do. The first thing you could do is this. You look back over last year, think about last year, and two things you can do about last year. First of all, count your blessings. I know it's a funny, my mummy said, count your blessings. And, uh, but what it means is, is count your blessings. Is start to think in the last year what things were positive, what things were good, what ways God came through for you. Make a list of them. It says count them, itemize them. We tend to forget to thank God. We overlook. We just take Him for granted. And when we take someone for granted, then we become familiar and lose our relationship with them. So start to think in this last year while you have some time on holiday. Think about ways that God has helped you and then verbalize your gratitude to Him. Be specific. And so don't just come and say, well, thank you, God. Now, that doesn't really cut us. Thank you, God, for helping me in this way, in this situation. Start to express the gratitude in a specific way. So look back and count your blessings. Find the things you can be thankful to God for. And also for people. There's people helped you last year. None of us gets where we get without people helping us. And so all of us have people who helped us. What are the people last year that helped you in your life? Did you stop to say thank you? Did you stop to write a note and say thank you? It meant so much to me when you did this. Jesus marveled when out of the ten lepers, only one came back to give thanks. He marveled. In other words, he was astonished that people could be so blessed and yet so ungrateful. Ingratitude is rooted in bitterness and it, has, and it manifests in our life in complaining and negativity. We should be the most positive, grateful people. If you've got nothing else to be grateful for, be grateful Jesus came into this world, gave his life, and he has saved me, and I know where I am going. You've got something to be grateful and thankful for. But last year wasn't all good. Eh? So here's the second aspect, that last year had a whole range of other things happen. For some, there would have been disappointments. Some there would have been failures, some there would have been some setbacks or some spiritual attacks, some there would have been uh, problems you couldn't solve. So here's the thing to do, look for the gold in the dirt. You know, gold, you don't always find gold on the surface, you've got to look into the, you've got to dig the, I've been down there gold panning, you find it mixed in with a shingle somewhere at the bottom of the river and you've got to get in there and shovel a lot of shingle and put a bit of water through it and then when you sift it all out there's gold in there. So here's what you could do. I want you to think about this, you know, because for some there may be some disappointments. And disappointments, you know, how am I going to handle a disappointment? Well, I've just had to face one. I stood up last time I stood up here uh, two Sundays ago. I said I wanted to spend more time with my grandchildren. And that very same day I had news one died and I had to go and bury them. Now, that's a disappointment. And I can't say I've got through it yet. I had to be there for everyone else. God helped and God came and God provided flights and every other way. But I can thank God 
that I got the flights and was able to be there. I can thank God that the resources were there to be able to pay for the flight. I can thank God that his presence came and impacted my daughter and son-in-law. I can thank God for many things. You understand? You've just got to look to find something to be thankful for. Otherwise, you become overwhelmed with your disappointments and your setbacks. And so it's a journey. There's failure. Some of us will have failed. I have had ways in which I failed last year. Failure is a part of our life. Unless you're a perfect person, you're Jesus. In fact, Jesus might be sitting next to you right now. You never know. And if he is, well, I'm sure he'll be looking very good. But the rest of us fail. And so when we fail, and not only there's failures, but people fail us. So last year, you would have had personal failures and have had people fail you. But you've got to do something about it. Here's what you can do. You can forgive the person and release them. Because God, and be thankful God forgave you. You could ask God to forgive you and be thankful Jesus shed his blood for you to be forgiven. You can be thankful that failure is not fatal, that God says, I stay with you and I'm working with you. I'll lift you up and failure for us is nothing. It's just something you step up and move on. Uh, Failure doesn't hold us back. Failure, God's made provision for all our failures. Thank you, Jesus, you made provision for my failures. And what about spiritual attacks? Some of you to face spiritual attacks. We're a spirit church. You're part of this church and belong. You face spiritual pressures, heaviness, turmoils at times, uncertainties, overwhelming pressure. It affects you. It affects your soul and your spirit. Sometimes there's turmoils going on around us. When you say, how can you be thankful? It's an opportunity to grow because you become tougher and stronger when you stand up in the battle. So thank you, Lord, for giving me an opportunity to grow. I remember praying I would grow. I remember last year's resolution, I would grow. And here something comes along, and I can choose to be thankful and say, this is my chance to learn and grow. So if you have problems you can't solve, Paul had them too. So if Paul had them, then probably we'll have some. And Paul prayed and said, and God wouldn't take it away. He said, no, I'm not taking it away from you. You're going to, you know, I'm not going to take it away. He said, but my grace is sufficient for you. She can be thankful. If you've got a problem that won't go away, that God will help you to walk through it. So be thankful to him. He's promised you the grace. So one of the greatest things you can learn to do in life is to be thankful. Why don't we start being grateful and thankful? Amen? Good choice? Start doing that. Build it into your life in the coming year. Here's the second choice you can make. You can choose to trust the Lord. I was meditating on that very verse you brought out this morning. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. So when we think about next year, what will next year hold for you? Well, here, I wish I could tell you, but I don't. I can't. I'm not even sure what it'll hold for me i got lots of things I don't know about next year. I've got lots of things I don't know, lots of things that concern me a bit. But however, uh, that's, that's life. It's called life. You just don't know. There's nothing certain. The world changes very quickly. Things happen very quickly. Uh, changes take place in a very rapid pace. So we don't know. We can have some, I'm sure of some things though. So there are some things. Here's a, Psalm 23 verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. So here's one thing I know. I shall not lack. And there are green pastures in this coming year. There are great things that God has prepared for you and me for this coming year. They're great things. Great things. But you've got to look for them. And the way you access the great things God has for you is not by just moseying into next year and saying, let's see what comes. That is not a faith. That that is not faith. That is typical Kiwi passivity. Faith pulls good things into your life. You know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but for your sins to be forgiven, you've got to take the Word of God and got to come before Him and believe that Word and apply it to that sin and hold on to what God says you're forgiven. 
then it happens. So for good things to happen, you say, you notice in Psalm 23, David made a choice, the Lord is my shepherd. That's a personal choice to let God lead you. So here's the question then, who or what is leading you at this point in your life? Oh, well, Jesus. Well, really? Okay. Well, think about this. See, no one can lead like he can. No one can love you like he can. There's no person can do it. See, leaders and, and, and workers and people in the church, no one can love like Jesus can. We can do our part and it's quite imperfect. But Jesus can love you and help you and care for you and lead you like no one else can. So the question is, whose voice are you listening to? You can be listening to, are you listening to the voice of your problems? They will be troubling you deeply. Are you listening to the voice of your circumstances? They look bleak perhaps and difficult. Are you listening to the voice of your fears? They will rise up inside and create huge images that are really problem for you. See, what voice is influencing? Are you listening to the voice of the opinions of people and what they think? Well, I think. I don't care what you think. I want to know what God says first of all. I need to hear what... Now, we've had a little bit of time teaching on hearing the voice of God. So in this coming year, one of the choices you can make is to personally reconnect, recommit your life into Jesus' hands to lead you and guide you to be your shepherd. Take Psalm 23, go through it, meditate in all the aspects of his shepherding of you because he never fails. He never fails. So whose voice will you listen? Peter listened to the, uh, he listened to the voice of circumstances and began to sink into the water. He was doing well until he looked at circumstances and listened to the voice of his fears. Uh, I was reading through the year. How many saw that picture? 200, 2012. And it was a picture of cataclysmic disaster based on the Mayan calendar. Well, that came and went too, didn't it? And they had all these programs on the Mayan calendar and the 21st of December. I didn't even notice the 21st of December come and go. I wasn't thinking about the Mayan calendar at all. I was thinking all the good things that God has ahead. See? And I know that it couldn't have ended then. Because Jesus said a lot of other things got to happen. Gospel has to be preached to the whole world. That hasn't happened yet. So he's not coming and the world's not going to fall apart. Go through troubles, yes, but not fall apart. So a lot of people listened to that, bought the books, paid some money, went to the movies and got all stressed out, wandering when they wake up. Like two, remember, remember the 2000, 2K, Y2K. Dear God, all the people that were talking about the year, the world coming to an end, you know. Oh, and there was frenzy all over the place. And then it came and went like in a fizzer. I can go through whole heaps of things over the years. So don't listen to the voice of people who are filled with fear. Listen to the voice of people who are filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? So, so what will happen next year? We don't know what's going to happen. And how are we going to manage it? We don't know how we're going to manage either. But here's something you do know. Here's a great verse. Here's a great verse. I know this. And it's found, this is a great verse. God's been speaking afresh to me out of it. Isaiah chapter 41. Here's this. He said, uh, we'll pick it up in, uh, in verse, the end of verse 9. You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Therefore, don't be afraid. For I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. How about that? I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that awesome promise? So here's something, you know, you don't know all that's going to happen next year. I can tell you there'll be some great things. There'll be some difficulties. There'll be some failures. There'll be some disappointments. That's normal life. Welcome to it. 
Next year we'll have a lot more of what every other year has had, but it'll come in a different package. But you'll be able to handle more because you're chosen to grow this year. You'll handle bigger things because you won't be small and immature. You've grown. The one thing I love about it, I can take people out of our church and take them anywhere in a mission field and God seems to flow and work through them because something of the life of God has been built into you in this place. So this is why, but being God-centered is crucial. Building a strong life within in God is crucial. Making a decision to trust Him. So we know this. We know absolutely and certainly God is with you. God is with you. He will help you. He'll uphold you. He will strengthen you. He will lead you. You're His servant. He's not forsaken you. Well, what could be better than that for next year? What could be? So here's some things you need to do knowing that. Make some plans and set a few goals. Because they... When you set goals and set some plans in place, it begins to define how your year will go. It indicates you are looking forward with a positive attitude to good things happening. It means you are making choices about your life going forward. Now, wait for God to do it all. He calls you to make some plans. So make some plans and set some goals and then commit your way to the Lord. It tells us when we commit our plans to Him, then He directs our paths. Sometimes we have to change and adapt the plan. So what plans will you make for this coming year about your health and your fitness, about your spiritual life, about your finances, about your marriage, your relationships, about, uh, about, uh, uh, just about your, uh, uh, your ministry to serve people? What, what plans are you making? No plan? Planning to fail. Make a plan. Set some things down. There doesn't have to be a lot of things. But if you'll define some things specifically, put them in the hands of the Lord, you'll start to move your life, and it'll be much more positive than if you made no plans at all. So there's a good thing. Here's the last thing to do, and I'm sure there's plenty others, but this is all I want to do today anyway. Here's the last one. Make a choice to change. Choose to change. Oh, well, that's the one I hate. I can handle the one about being thankful. I can handle the one about trusting the Lord. But choosing to change. Choice to change is a choice to grow. You know, in the, the place on the, the, new, the, the new growth on the vine is where everything is that's, uh, that's good. Here's a, here's a good verse for you. Uh, here it is. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12. I could have used a lot of verses. Here's one I'd like to use. Therefore, verse 1, we being surrounded by so many witnesses. In other words, we are surrounded. Notice surrounded. Now, now that's interesting because it, it doesn't tell us that we're here and they're up there. It's just we're surrounded. In other words... There's an interlocking between the spirit world of God, heaven itself, and where we live. We are surrounded. They are around us. People who ran a race for Christ before us. We're surrounded. So because we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay. Author and fizzer, I was going to say. Some people's faith fizzes, but if we look to him, well, he'll finish. He's the finisher of our faith. Okay, so we've all got a race to run. Now, I can't run your race for you. I wish I could, but I can't. And it's not my call to do that. I'd be too tired. You're running. You've got too many things to run. I've got my own things. So here's the thing. We've got a race as individuals. We've got a race corporately. Everyone, let us therefore run our race. Now, notice what it tells us. It tells us there's things you have to let go of if you're going to move forward and complete your race. Now, that's a challenge there because to let things go means change. So what sorts of things might I need to let go of? And there's so many things can hold us back. Many times I've found in my life, 
I actually haven't been aware of them. How many know you're not always aware what's holding you back? I'll tell you, nothing like getting into a season of prayer and fasting and pushing into God, and suddenly, oh, oh. And then you see things that have got around you that are holding you back. You know, you could have all kinds of things. Here's some things that could be holding you back, things that were good in their time. You know, everything has a time and a season. Sometimes things are really good. When th- something in its timing, it's really good. So sometimes you could look back and say, there are things that were good last year, but this year I've got to make change. See, and, and, the, and the big thing is to know what things to change. And God can show you on those things. Uh, are there habits you need to change? Are there ways of thinking you need to change? Are there issues in your life that you just live with and say, oh, that's how I am, and, and you, you're not actually facing, you could change, and your life would shift as a result of that? What is it you need to change? It's not my job to tell you. Are there hidden issues in your heart? Because that's where all change starts. It starts in the heart, not just trying to do something outside. So are there hidden things in the heart? And you look and you feel, boy, this area has frustrated me for so long. I can't seem to get a breakthrough. Would I be willing to open my heart to the Holy Ghost and to people and begin to explore if there are things I need to let go of or have resolved in my heart, things that I need to, fears that need to be uh, brought to conclusion and faith built there? Are there areas of grief I need to resolve and to come into joy and rejoicing? Are there areas of failure that I live condemned by? What, what sorts of things have been sitting in your heart that, that put a cap on you last year, but next year won't? They won't hold you back. Instead of you sort of going last year, ah, 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 you'll be like this because you threw some things off. There are things we have to throw off at various times in our life. I found it tends to come seasonally as well as day by day. So choose to change. Ask the Holy Spirit to show what do you need to let go of for you to run your race. Let us run our race, casting aside things that hold us back. What holds you back? What holds you back from being different, from doing what you know God wants you to do? What holds you back? Is there something you need to let go of and begin to start to get a positive attitude of joyful endurance, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ? It's a great thing to do, isn't that right? It may seem impossible. Choose change, but it may seem impossible. Think about this. Joshua, when he was facing going to cross into the promised land, get this. When Joshua had to lead the people of God into the promised land. Now, you'd think this. If you, if, you were, if you were God, you'd think like this. Now, I need to give this young guy a break. You know, Moses has died, and now he's got to pick up all these two million complaining people and lead them into the promised land. What I should do is give him a bit of a break. So what we'll do is we'll take him across into the land at a time when the river's shallow. No, he didn't do that. What he did was he took him in the time of harvest, and in the time of harvest, the river Jordan floods its banks... And all, and all the bushes and things that held lions and wild beasts, they're all flushed out and they've got nowhere to hide. So they go away from the river and they attack people. So the time God wanted them to cross the river, it was at its widest, it was impossible, and there were wild beasts that attacked everyone. And God says, now I want you to go and step into that. And when you step in, something will happen. Think about that. I wonder what it is that's wide and surmountable that you need to step into and believe that God will make a way as you step into it. Amen? And the thing parted. Blow me down, it just parted, and they went through. And you think, well, that would be good enough. And then, well, now we get ready to the battle. And God says, now I want you to be circumcised, and you have to sit there and recover from your wounds. See, God's way of doing it isn't quite like our way of doing it. He knew there were some things they had to deal with. They had to deal with. Here's the first thing they had to deal with. They had to deal with depending on Moses and realize that God would work for Joshua too. They all had an idolatry around Moses. What can we do? Moses is dead. 
and he, no, 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 actually the God who helped them is the God who helped Joshua. It's God that's the one that parts the waters. Okay? And then when it came to the issue of having the circumcision, this is what they need to deal with. They need to deal with the fact they hadn't entered properly into covenant with God. There were parts of their life. We have a circumcision of the heart. Things in our heart need to be changed so we can walk with God. So we can come into the promises of God. So here it is. We're, we're coming to the end of this year and we face another year. Be thankful for what God has done. Thankful to people. Thankful to God for the blessings of last year, even the difficulties. Find something to be thankful for and express it. Secondly, make a choice to trust God. Thirdly, make a choice to change. This year, you'll change. And as we do it, let's believe that God will give us our best. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask this question, three questions. Number one, what can you be thankful for and who can you be thankful to? That's the first one. Secondly, what goals or plans do you make and have you trusted them into the hands of the Lord? And thirdly, what areas do you need to change and what do you intend to do about it? This coming year is a great year. Like every other year, it becomes exactly what we make of it. It becomes an opportunity to make great choices to believe God and go forward. Let's do it together, shall we? Father in heaven, we honor you. We thank you. We give you the glory for all that was last year. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for great things for this coming year in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. The musician's going to come up. Now, while the musician's come up, I'd like you just to play some quiet music. I'd like do. I'm not going to get you to sing. I'd like you to stop, think what you can be thankful for, and tell someone next to you. Find someone next to you and say, hey, there's something I really could be thankful for this year, and, uh, and maybe you say, this is something I'm really planning to do next year. So just do it. Just do it. Two minutes. That's all it'll take while the musicians play some quiet music, and uh, we can just talk to one another.